Hi, and welcome to the Unique Perspective Show, broadcast live on Hakol Radio, powered by the Montanivasar. Every person, and in particular, every Jew, is special and unique in his or her own way, contributing to society with their very own flavor. My name is Yehuda Blonder, your show host, and I was born with a rare medical condition called familial dysautonomia, also known as FD. Growing up and overcoming multitudes of medical challenges shaped the person I am today, as well as gave me a rather unique perspective on life. On this show, we will be sitting down with amazing people with unique perspectives in life who will give us a glimpse into their lives and what makes them who they are. Come along with me for the ride on the Unique Perspective Show on Hako Radio. Hi everyone and welcome back to the Unique Perspective Show, live on Hako Radio, powered by the Mansimivasar. On today's show, we are thrilled and honored to announce that we have Rabbi Yerucham Silber on the show. Rabbi Silber grew up in Brooklyn, New York, held many high-ranking positions in various organizations, such as Misaskim, the Borough Park Jewish Council, and other organizations. For the last six years, Rabbi Silber has been working for the Aguda, Aguda Israel of America, as Director of Government Relations. Please help me in welcoming Rabbi Silber to the show. Welcome, Rabbi Welcome, welcome. Thank you for having me. Sorry for going back and forth with, with you. It's okay, I went back and forth with you also. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> welcome to the show. Oh, what an honor to be here, what a schuss. How many years do we know each other? We know each other a lot of years in Kensington, right? Yeah, where did you grow up? Who said I grew up already? <laughs> um, yeah, I grew up in Crown Heights originally I, okay. I for, the, for the first 16 years of my life and then uh, lived in, in Borough Park for a while then in Flatbush and there's Yisrael and I've been in Kensington the last, I don't want to say how many long because I'm many long, but a lot of years I've been in wow. over 30 years Wow um, You've held many, many different positions in many different organizations until the Aguda um, what did what did you do for all those different organizations? I mean, really, I looked at every single step uh, as, as a growth. I learned each each thing I did okay. was a growth for the next one. I, I started out originally. I've been in in, you know, in, in community service or cloud work for all the years since I left Koyu. Uh, you know, I, I started out working for, for a couple of yeshivas. Then I worked for I, I was at, for a number of years. I did a um, I helped Moisters work with with fundraising through telemarketing. I, I did a little telemarketing for him. Then you know, okay. I worked the I worked the government for a little while. Each really one was a step to the next. But finally, I'm over right. to show up for the last six years. But you you did do some stuff for the Bar Park JCC. What did you do there? Yes, I, well, I was I was director. I ran the Bar Park JCC for five years. Mm-hmm. And I was very proud at that time when I came in. It was really at all for a lot of reasons. It had almost fallen apart. Basically, it had fallen apart. Oh wow! And, um, Baruch Shem picked it up, and we really got it to a certain level. And and my successor took it to the next level. But yes, we got it to a certain level over those five years. 
you know, we really try to put it back on the map again. So you're in the Agudu now. What do you do for them exactly? Oh, I do a, do a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> well, really, I, I what is, is called New York Government Relations, which is very simple. Okay. Um, it's developing relationships, working with different levels of government to advocate on behalf, very simple, of the Orthodox community. That's really what it comes down to. Mostly in Albany, because most of our action is really in state government. That's where, where most of the things that are pertinent to us are state government. I spend a lot of time right. on but, but other, but city, New York City, other local governments, we, we try to cover it around, around the state. Mm-hmm. So a couple of years ago, we we had COVID. Um, what mm-hmm. was your involvement with the Aguda with COVID and the education and the schools and stuff like that? Oh, wow. Well, we did a lot of things. First of all, um, when COVID hit, obviously, we just, you don't know how to do anything. And people, right. for the worst thing, never, how many people lost their lives? So sad, how many people right. think, um, Besides that, people lost jobs and people were confused. The first thing, one of the first things we did, we set up a special hotline, a dedicated right. email, and a phone number. People call, just give advice. There were all these new programs, okay. and the PPP programs, and all the loan programs, and um, boy, he reminded me of a time, and I sat in my kitchen in my house because we weren't going weren't okay. in the office, and we were just fielding. I thought I worked hard. I was working literally from midnight every night, just from straight in the morning, just you know fielding inquiries from people and doing research because it was all new stuff. It was stuff we hadn't right. done before. Learning about all the different programs, how to respond to people. That was the initial thing. The first couple of months of COVID, that was just first. I was. First two or three months helping people. People were calling about unemployment. I remember getting so many questions about unemployment benefits, and there was a backlog because they weren't, you know, obviously the state didn't have nearly enough people to cover because they didn't expect that. Right. Expect that kind of influx of, of unemployment claims. So we were dealing with a lot with that. We dealing with people had to access the different programs, the PPP programs, other programs to help people, help businesses to get on their feet. Remember, everyone stopped, everything shut down for those few weeks. Right. You know, it, it was terrible. And then we worked, obviously, with schools, and we worked with to help get back together. Um, we worked a lot with yeshivas to help them. And I'm proud to say that our yeshivas opened up a year before the public schools opened up. We would open up. At right. Wow. Time. And then you say, I tell, we opened up, remember, COVID came in March of 2020. By that September, Almost every school was open. They took precautions. They, you know, they did social distancing and they had, you know, barriers and and they made right. sure our hands were washed and all the different precautions. But there were no major outbreaks. Nothing happened that was predicted. Uh, you know, uh, there were cases here and there, but there were no major outbreaks. And Ivy Sheba and Ivy Sheba's. Unfortunately, the first summer camps were not allowed to open. Sleepaway right. camps, and we actually sued um, the state then because um, it was a terrible thing. We had a plan in place. To, to get the camps open, a safety plan in place, and they wouldn't listen to us. And that was very, very difficult for kids. Right. That summer, not yeah. being able to go to camp that summer. That was a very, right. very hot situation. Before by September, we got schools open up, we got yeshivas open up. And then we had, we had to, we went to court, we fought, but remember the red zones and the orange zones and the yellow zones? Yeah. And, and, uh, and for some reason, all the from areas were in, were in red zones, were in lockdown areas. And we went to court and we won the Supreme Court, you know. Uh, I took the case straight to the Supreme Court that we wanted to not allow those red zones, which which were discriminatory, discriminated clearly against the from Orthodox community uh, during uh, during the right. uh, during Sukkot. There was a time Chalamot Sukkot that year. I remember just just being when 
the, when the former governor Cuomo announced the red zones, it was on, on Chalamitzukas, and we were sitting all, all right. dealing with that, then going to court. So that simple story was a very challenging one, also. The, the, the whole year, so you you would like bring back memories. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, but days. but was it very hard to get the yeshiva opened up, like from the government side, meaning to let them have the yeshivas open up? It was in the beginning. It was difficult. I must say, there were people. You know, uh, the the Zechariah of Yanki Maya, who's no longer with us, was it's one of the biggest right. words of Zechariah Levrach. He had a big hand. In fact, Azmat Seba, as you know, um, Yankee Mai did a lot of great things in his in his right. short short to short lifetime. Azmat yeah. Seba, he had written that he got the yeshivas open. He looked at that as his greatest accomplishment, um, helping the yeshivas open during COVID. So he was a big part of it. I could have right. quite a part. And yes, yeah. we had to work with them, but eventually we convinced them that we we took safety measures. We made we had safety measures in place, and like I said. We did the right thing because public schools were open for close for a whole full year afterwards, and she was open. Right. Learned, and there were no major outbreaks. I was not aware of any major outbreaks that there were in yeshivas that that first year. Right. Schools opened up. What is, you brought up, Yankee Meyer, Rabbi Yankee Meyer. That's how. Um, what was your relationship with Rabbi Yankee Meyer, and when you worked for Miss Aston? I had a very good relationship with him. We had a wonderful relationship. Yeah, I worked for a short time for Ms. Askin. You know, I, I helped out certain things over there. Yeah, we had Baruch Hashem. We, you know, did, um, yeah, he was the go-to person on a lot of things. You know, he needed something. You know, he, he was the person. Right. What did you do for Ms. Askin officially? I did the same idea. Government relations, community relations. Mm -hmm. Same thing, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. What was... Rabbi Silber's relationship with Rabbi Booth Booth, uh, he was such a part of our life, Rabbi Booth. He was in the shul 26 years. Uh, he, you know, I say a lot of he was he was larger than life. He was such a tremendous figure in, in the community. He was there to ask, uh, not only to ask our shahs, not lacha, but to ask everyone to speak to them. He was involved in all aspects. Rabbi Booth was such an asset. We were very, we were very close. We learned together for many, many years. I'll tell you a story about Rabbi Booth. In 1997, yeah. I tell a story all the time. You know, we have an right. 8 o'clock menu in the show every morning. We dive in. I've been diving that menu now at, now at 7.45, but for years, right. I've been many every morning in that menu. So in 1997, there was a, a Dafyemi was starting a new cycle. I made a big scene then, a new okay. cycle started. He said, let's start a Dafyemi year at 7 o'clock. We'll have dive at 8 o'clock. I said, fine. I said, Rabbi, I'm all in. Do me a favor. I, I, want, I need to know there are 15 people committed to come to Dafyemi. You know what it's like? You want you don't want to wait be be relying on ten people exactly. Sometimes one person gets right. you want you want fifteen people to be committed. Say yes, I plan on coming. So you know you can you can feel comfortable that there'll be a million every day. He said no, don't right. we'll have we'll have we'll have. And he would did not, <laughs> and, and now the, how many years? It's twenty six years. We've never missed a million every year. We had the millions going. Oh, you've been in that million wow. on, yeah. on every year. And that was a great. We pushed it out, and for years we learned together. And also there are times when he wasn't well. But I was right. given this year in his place. So we went through, um, I think we went through two cycles of Dafiyami together. We went through, you know, that, wow. we went through. Yeah, so we were, we were right. very close. We, you know, it's now come, I'm thinking that Shavuos, every year Shavuos coming up, we were always learned together on Shavuos. But half the first half of the night, we sat and we learned, uh, Booth and I learned together. And we, we were, you know, he would, um, yeah, we were very, it was, it was, we miss him. He's tremendously missed.
it's it's how many years is it now it's four years it's been uh years. yeah it's gonna be this summer be four years uh hi oh i think it's uh, yeah. 70 yeah. It's four years right before covid shortly before yeah. the months before covid 2019 so right summer four years yeah yeah wow um rabbi sober has a relationship with um rabbi Sintha scholar what was what's that relationship? Um, like? I'm not a close. We know each other. I'm very fond of what he does. Right. I, I, I I'm I'm very you know I'm a big fan of High Lifeline. As you know, I personally benefited from High Lifeline at one point. So right. yeah, I mean I mean we know each other. I I don't want to say I can't say we're close. Right. Uh-huh. We certainly know each other. I mean, right. I respect him. I hope he respects me as well. But yes, we we have a, certainly were, a very, very respectful were you, relationship. Were you close to um, Reb David? That's all. Um, unfortunately, no, I, I just, uh, we, we spoke, we knew, but I, I can't say I was close to him. I was, no, I was, I can't mm-hmm. say, I, I can't say. Red Bluth was the one that would go to a dub, right. you know, I spoke to him a few times. I was there, but no, I, I, I don't, you know, it's one of the regrets of my life. You know, I'm, I was close to plenty of other good, but you know, I wasn't, I wasn't there, there you know, I wasn't fortunate to be close to Reb dub. We will be right back after words from our sponsor. Is your computer running slower than molasses? Are you desperate to salvage important data from your hard drive? Let's face it, IT work can be a nightmare at times. Whether it entails virus removal, server or network setup, networking and cloud backup, or simple laptop and desktop ongoing IT support. At VentureTech, we understand how essential your systems are to your daily life, and we take the time to accurately diagnose every technical issue you're experiencing. Call us now for a consultation by dialing 347-603-0033 or shoot us an email to info at VentureTechComputers.com. And we are back on the Unique Perspective show. So any any big things coming up in the Agudo now that you can share? I mean, the biggest thing now really is the question of of education. Right. Uh, you know, I, I, I speak a lot in schools. Like, I go to schools a lot. Okay. One of the things I do in schools is I do voter registration. So I speak to the senior okay. class, both yeshivas and, and besiakos. I speak to them at the importance of why it's important to vote, uh, of why why shtatmanas is important, what we do. But I, I talk about chinach at schools. I said, look, okay. I said, we all learn things in schools and everyone learn things. We learn, you know, of course, we learn the Kaidish, whether it's, you know, the boys' schools or the girls' schools. And we learn English, they learn whether it's math or science or social studies. Yeah, it's everything's everything's done where they learn everything. But at the end, school, any subject, I took trigonometry in high school. I don't know trigonometry anymore. I guarantee I know nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, you know, I took it that, that's the way they gave it them geometry, or whatever it was, you know. So whatever subjects you learn, subjects it's a means to an end. It's a mean, it's a, it's a way to get to where you have to go. The purpose of a school, in my in my opinion, I, I've heard people who are professional educators agree with me. The purpose of a school is to prepare a student to be successful in life. Yes, right. part of it, you know, you have to learn how to write, read, how to write, and, and learn basic math. I, I get it. Every school has their own curriculum that they decide um, whether they have their own manalim or the varachinach or the rashi shivas. They decide how they want to do it. And but ultimately, what they learn in school is a means to an end. The, the purpose right. of the school, and I say, I, I, I tell, I tell, I spoke, I speak in girls because I say, you girls are graduating in fourth grade. Tell me something. 
How many of you feel that your school prepared you for life? And they almost all raised their hand because they did. Uh-huh. And if you look at it, look at, at our firm communities. Look at, you know, everywhere. Borough Park, Flatbush, uh, Muncie, Lakewood, you know, everywhere, right? We are prepared, you know, we are, we are Williamsburg, Crown Heights, everything. We are prepared for life by and large. We have successful, happy, thriving communities, very, almost no crime, almost no drug use. We're prepared for life. And Baruch Hashem, people are happy. Are we perfect? No, we're not perfect. And look, look at the public schools. Just last week, Mayor Adams gave a speech a couple of weeks ago. He said, 65%. I can't even read. Are they successful? No, not like we are. Do we want to be? They should right. be like us. Not we should be like them. They want to make us all. The government's going to come and tell us how to run our yeshivas, how to run our schools. We have Manal, we have Russia yeshivas, we have the Doma tell us how to do. And that is really the biggest battle that we've been battling over the years, and it's still ongoing. The, right. fight, for, the fight for Chinuch, for, for purity, for Tyrus, for the Chinuch, the way we've been giving all these years. And look, we know that the communities had tremendous, tremendous growth since after World War II in the last 75, 80 years. And it's only due to the yeshiva system. I'm a yeshiva, you and yeshiva. And we know what it's like. We know what we get from yeshiva. That that would right. prepare us for life. Right. But but what do you what do you think about the whole educational issue that the government is trying to get the yeshiva system to do, to change? Yeah, well, that's what that's what I'm saying. It's not right. a, we're we're, we're Pushing, fighting that our yeshiva should have control of the, the government shouldn't have control of the chinuch of our yeshiva. It's up to it's up to us, the manalim, the rashi yeshivas about a chinuch to decide how yeshivas. And and the proof is in the pudding. We do a great job. Yeshivas do a great job. Look at our look at us. Look at our look at that. Look at right. we are prepared for life. Right. But do you see that they're going to that the government is going to end up? Uh, changing it to the, to what they want, or or that the from society is going to win out. It's hard to say. You know, we believe there's a British Shalom. We have to. We have to do it now. We right. the British Shalom will, will, will take care of us. And yes, no yeshiva is going to fundamentally change because yeshivas are, are there longer than anything else, and they're not going to change what they do. So ultimately, how how it ends up. I can't say. I don't know how it's going to end up, but you know, we're, we're doing uh, our status. We're doing the Rabbi Shlom's work, and you know, the Rabbi Shlom at the end will we'll be the for Klaisro as, as he's been all these years. We know that uh, ultimately Klaisro will prevail, and what even how will come out the end, I, I can't say. I don't. I don't know. Right. But we will. It's crazy that they're trying to change the whole English department for this is the biggest challenge probably in certainly in in the last uh you know probably 70 80 years the biggest challenge facing clients or maybe even in in, in who knows and in, in, you know we finally have a Medina of Chesed Hashem, America is a place where we've been free to practice you know to have Yiddishkeit you know and then to have them come in this is such a xayra that we've there's something that we almost never dealt with before. This is like one right. of the challenging issues facing us as as a tzibur. Right, it's pretty it's pretty crazy. Um, getting back to Kensington and the shoe, what does Rabbi Silver see that the shoe is going forward? How is it going to move forward with with the new rav? And is it is it growing? Is it not growing, what is 
And we know we have a wonderful Rav, you know, right. Rav is, um, in fact, Rav Bluth really sort of picked, chose it because, as you know, okay. Rav Bluth, at the end of his life, when he wasn't always so well, he couldn't give the drush, he asked Rav Adler to give the drush at his place. So he sort of, we okay. know that he looked at right. Adler. So we were so lucky we had him living in the neighborhood and being there, and, and we have to look out, so we had some right, uh, right there to take his place. The shul is certainly growing. You look at the membership list, we get more every year. Look, it's very challenging. Brooklyn, a lot of people can't afford to be in Brooklyn. That's the way it is. Right. Brooklyn is it's expensive. And, and um, we wish to be more growth people moving in, but the shul is very thriving. And the shul is a, it's a, Abbasacham is a great name for the shul because it's really brotherly love. It's really, it's, it's a tremendous right. in the shul and, and people get along. It's it's a really, it's a wonderful hill to be part of. And you, you've you been living in Kensington since, since, after you got married, or when did you move to Kensington? Um, I moved to Kensington in, in 1986. Um, wow. I, I lived in Nerdsor for I got married. I lived in Nerdsor for a few years, then I came back and I, I lived. I, you know, I, then I was I was learning in yeshivas of Chamelech, so I wanted to be mm-hmm. still there. I still have mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I wanted to be near the yeshiva. Mm-hmm. That's why I chose Kensington, and I don't regret it. You know, to be near the yeshiva then. Mm-hmm. So and your kid, your kid. Nice year for a few years, and uh, the back of Tarbadas, then we moved to East Fifth. And I've been to East Fifth ever since. Uh, wow. That's since over, over thirty years. And wow. And and your kids, um, where do they all live? So only one is in Brooklyn. My daughter lives in Brooklyn, and the rest oh, wow. are in Muncie and, and in Lakewood. Wow, you're related somehow to Mendel. How are you related to Mendel? No, my wife's a Mandel. My sister was Mandel. My wife's family's Mandel. Oh. How can we find out more about the Aguda and what the Aguda does? And I'll like tell you that. a nice story that happened this week. Aguda, something we okay. do, but people don't even realize. Yeah. It's just happened this week. Um, so people, and I found this out myself. Let's say the New York City has jobs. They get out. People has jobs. So some of those, right. I guess there's a, a, must be an online portal. You apply for a job. And you you know upload your resume application whatever it is and then they call you to have these uh, these uh, job fairs that uh, you right. come down and you meet people from different agencies and you like you get an interview on the spot. So there's a person who was a computer specialist uh, and applied like a year ago and finally right. a year later he got called to come down for this um, the, uh, this um, job fair and meet agencies. When was he called to come down? First day of Shavuos, Friday. Wow. May 26th, first day of wow. Shabbos. Okay. And, and he said, if you don't come, he loses it. He, he's, he loses right. it. He's waiting a year and there's a spot. That's it. You're done. You lose your chance if you don't come down. He's a chance right. to come down and get your interview. So he came to us and Baruch Hashem had good relationships. I went to first councilman Kamen Yeager and to the mayor's office, to to um, uh, Joel Eisdorfer and also to, you know, to Moshe Davis, who was a Kensington from Kensington, who now works for Mayor Adams and okay. others, and, and Fred Kreisman and others, and we brought it to, to their attention, Menashe Shapiro, and lo and behold, they, they got cancelled. They pushed it off, because there were, I'm sure there were many other people from people that that would have lost an opportunity to, to get city jobs, because it was on Shavuos. So, that's, you know, right. things like that. Just happened, the name happened this week. Wow. We, we mentioned that. Um, you know, we, we fight now we pushed to get money for yeshivas. This year we had, right. we had, you know, the budget was just done last month. Is right. the, the state budget? So there's a program called mandated services. Most people don't know what it okay. is, but what it, is it? 
so it's a program that every yeshiva gets money. It's the largest source of funding for yeshivas. Basically, okay. yeshivas have to do certain things, whether it's t- taking attendance and, and testing that the state says they have to do. So the deal okay. was they have to pay them, re- reimburse them for the cost of these called mandates. Uh, right. This year in the budget, so the original language in the budget said, we'll pay you only what's allocated in the budget. In other words, yeshivas make claims. They put in claims and they get reimbursed. Right. It's not right. in the budget, you'll be stuck, you'll be out the money. We're only what's in the budget. Okay. So we fought that language, we fought hard, and Brooks said the language came out. Language came out, and we made sure that she was paid in full because that, that could have had that language stayed in, it could have really killed the entire program. Wow. Then we worked this year on getting uh, we worked with other groups. We got um, many yeshivas. We got uh, not all of them. will get an increase in free lunches for yeshivas. So we do a lot of work in bringing. In the, it's never enough, and we wish there would really be a program like a voucher program or a scholarship. And the government should really fund. They should really fund the at least the secular part. But you know whatever we can, we try to help the yeshivas right. resources and funding from Albany and from Washington. So it's a, a big part of what I do. Wow. So so. The yeshivas are looking to get funding from the government for, like the lunch programs and stuff like that. Lunch programs, security funding. What's going on with the security issue with the gun violence and stuff like that? I mean, I don't want to get involved in gun violence. Think it's a complicated (laughs) issue with security, but but, listen. Um, anti-Semitism is a terrible problem. It's getting worse and worse. We have a lot right. of more hate crimes or Jews than anybody else. More anti-Semitic incidents. Right. Uh, there's been, you know, I, I, you know, meetings I've been to fight anti-Semitism, and they all mean well. Uh, it, it is um, look. Uh, there's another. First of all, there's a few things. Obviously, we need the police to really crack down hard, and and anyone who's um commits a hate crime should really get serious time and, and pay for it right we also need education people have to understand that education is an important part and 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 um to come together understand what we're all about one of the things we do i i go to albany i have my i'm going all the time right. and i believe that my job is to make kiddush hashem because they, right. they don't need personal right. and that's not to, not not too many people there with yarmulkes you know right one of the few people there, and I know that people look at look at me. That um, I know, on the one hand, of course, from people the most visibly because we look Jewish. That's why we're the victims of so many anti right. look Jewish, you know. But yet, at the same time, we have to know that we're visibly Jewish. We have to make sure that people shouldn't think any worse of us. And it's important for anyone publicly, if you're visibly Orthodox Jew, if you wear a yarmulke and you go out there, right. and that you have to make, you have to give a right impression. I try my best. You know, I, I, I really try it, even if I don't. And it's important that I don't, a lot of people I don't agree with, but I try to be respectful with everybody. The way you get results, right. you talk with them, being respectful, even if you don't agree with them. I mean, you can always find certain things you could agree on, uh, but you have to really try to work with people. And the funding for the security for the yeshivas are coming, going through the Aguda or through. No, it goes through the state, but Aguda is the one that, that pushes for it. The, the Aguda and, mm-hmm. and other groups also are the, are the ones that help um, uh, push for it. No, it comes from the government. Mm-hmm. For it, but it doesn't, these how, things just don't happen. You have to work on it. You have to, you know. Right. How how long does something like that take to work on and to get funding for it? You know, the, uh, it started out when I came to the Aguda. It had just gone, I think, from five million to fifteen million, or fifty million 
Now we're up to 45 million in one of the security programs. So, you know, you, wow. you take time and, and, and there's a need for it. And, you know, some things can be done overnight. Some things take many years to work on. There's no, you know, there are many things legislative that can work on years and years. And, and um, we were just last week in Albany, um, at the Ashley group of people with special needs went up there and there's certain issues that we're going to work on now. It may take time, but I said we don't give up. You know, you things, you know, we wish things happen overnight, but things don't go. Sometimes things move slowly and but we you gotta stay on it, be persistent, push on it, and hopefully you have aslach at the end. What was the thing that you took for special needs up in Albany? Yeah, a number of things. Things around um uh, for example, I'll give you an example that that we pushed on, which sometimes doesn't make any sense. So Every agency, every worker has to be fingerprinted for a background check. Right. Okay. Now, what happens is every agency has to go, has to get the fingerprinted again. So we said, what? And sometimes um, it, it takes time because some will and somebody needs to hire somebody, and it takes a, a week or so. They have to make an appointment, get the results back. There should be there's a central database. Why don't you find a right. way to to a central database and want you to share it? They get given the name of the person, whatever social security number, whatever ID you have to give, and then get back. A background check, you know, it, right. it's okay. The fingerprints there; they have the information. Why do it every time? Go through, you know. It's just, sometimes you need common sense. That was one example of things we worked on. Other things mm -hmm. was, you know, um, uh, medications. Other things we try to push for. So you know, it, it's a slow go, and we, you know, but we have mm -hmm. to push for it and keep working at it. Eventually, you're successful. Right. We will be right back after words from our sponsor. care in the air. When you need urgent medical attention or transport, you deserve peace of mind. Based on the East Coast, ParaFlight is a full-service medical transport company dedicated to providing dependable, compassionate, and customized care and service to patients and medical teams worldwide. Founded by emergency medical professionals, we understand the sensitive, critical needs of medical teams, patients, and their families. We transport patients and teams from tertiary care facilities, hospital to hospital, or any other destination across the United States and beyond. Our team never compromises on safety or quality of care, following a patient-first, not-profit-driven model of care. This ensures you get the exact customized medical transport solution you need. Check us out online at www.paraflight.aero. Call us today, 844 538-1911 or send an email to info at paraflight.aero And we are back on the Unique Perspective show. When the government decided to um, shut down the shuls, did they are going to have any arguments with that? What was I can that say like? this now. I can say this now because it's three years later. Um, yeah. One day, Chalamaitzukas, yeah. Governor Cuomo, and there was another outbreak. Chalamaitzukas, there was a, there was right. a, and he had a phone call with <laughs> Jewish leaders. People might go to around the phone, and he said, yeah. "You have the last of the coming up. Try to keep the shows at fifty percent capacity. Fifty percent, okay. okay. You could try to work it out. You have shifts. It, it was something that was doable. Fifty okay. percent was doable, and he tried to, and he, and and um, three hours later." Literally three, four out of the same day at a press conference that we're announcing red zones with only 10 people and not in the room in, a, in an entire building 
only, right. only ten people are allowed. To have, you can't have barely for a million. Ten people in what? And this comes imagine simple Torah. Sorry, you can only have right. ten people at a time in the building. Um, so, so it's like he literally changed his mind within if a couple of hours. I don't think he changed his mind. I think he knew all along. He just you know with right. you know. So so how did that how did that get fixed? We went to court. Yeah. One of the Supreme Court. Look, I you know, people do what they have to do. I I, I don't tell them to break the law and and, and shoes right. like what they have to do. And uh, we just told them what the law is and you know, every shoe had to do what they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. But eventually um we did go to the Supreme Court, the United States Supreme Court, and, and they came down saying that the red zones were illegal, they were arbitrary and they were, they were it was a violation of religious freedom. Yeah, people in a liquor store, but yeah, you can't have people in a shul or a gym or right. like that. It was discrimination against religion. Right. It was also not only shuls, it was um houses of worship also. Right, right? Now all houses of worship, right, which includes a shul, yeah. house of worship. Right. Well, Governor Hoko yes. has anything to do with all of this issue issues nowadays or it's behind her. I mean, COVID is pretty much pretty much behind us. So since she took right. over, it's basically behind us. So there's not really a lot of issues around COVID. But we have a good relationship with Governor Holka. We work well with her, with her administration. And, and yeah, listen, you know, we, we, we work well with them. She's been a friend to us. She's been good to us in a lot of ways. And, and we, we, we work well together. Mm-hmm. As we do with Mayor Adams. Like I said, Mayor Adams have a very good right. relationship. He has a, a number of firm people working as an administration, at least three or four work are working there in the high lo- high levels. And then we never had that before so many firm people. And I'm, I mean, high levels. He had a commissioner, Fred Kreisman, the commissioner. He's a firm person. Menasha Shapiro was deputy chief of staff, a firm person. The early Eisdorfer, Joel Eisdorfer, senior advisor to the mayor is a firm person. Moshe Davis. So at least four that I'm aware of on the high levels of firm people. So we have, we have access to who to talk to. As was the and, previous mayor with, with, with Mayor de Blasio and his mayor. I, you know, I, Mayor de Blasio, remember, I knew I worked for him at one point. Right. He, was, he represented our neighborhood and he was our councilman. <laughs> and, you know, I worked for him then and we stayed close over the years when he was mayor. We stayed close. So, yeah, you have to, it's important to develop relationships and work with people in government because that's where you get, that's where you get to, right. where you to go to when you have issues. You have to, you know. What did you do for Mayor de Blasio? I worked there basically for my work with the Jewish community in the Bar mm-hmm. Park Kensington when he was there. You know, all the all the issues that came mm-hmm. up. You were part of his campaign, or you were campaign just... and staff both. First his campaign, and then um, when he first ran for office in two thousand one, then I was on the staff for three years. His first three years in the, in the city council, I was on the staff. Mm-hmm. And it was was it hard or easy to to work with him? I mean, you work hard. Yeah, you, you listen. Everyone has to, you, have, you have to work hard to get things done. Nothing comes easy, this really. You know, right. nothing's done. You have to work hard. Right. So we we put in work and we we got we got I helped him get certain funding for places and I have people had an address to come to. We helped a lot of people then. Mm-hmm. In fact, just just I remember just my story. One year on Shavuos, um, there was a staff meeting. And mm-hmm. um, at that meeting, I would decide where, where to allocate funds. I knew it was important for me to be there because I wanted to make sure that the Jewish organizations got funding. 
So he asked Rabbi Yehuda, "I can go." He says, "Yeah, I can walk over." It was on a point out to pocket, so it was walking distance. I even brought a cheesecake for them. <laughs> she asked, well, <laughs> and, and, but I, I got a shuster to go because it was important. I said, right. after, you know, I didn't have to drive. Obviously, it was like able to walk right. to the the parkway. Mm-hmm. I went you know, in the afternoon. I, I sat there by the meeting. I was able to make sure that um, the, the, those groups got the funding they deserved. Wow. And when he saw you there on Shavuos, he was shocked or he or he knew that you were going to come? You know, honestly, I don't remember, but he, they were happy with the cheesecake. They all ate it up. Wow. Yeah. I probably don't remember, you know, quite a few years ago. But yeah, it was mm-hmm. uh, the comp, yeah. Um, you also did something for the Senate, or you you ran a campaign for the Senate for someone. State Senate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah Dan Savino. That was a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. I helped to get elected to State Senate. Yes, and she just mm-hmm. left. She just retired. She she actually works for the city now. She was in the State Senate about 15, 16 years, more eighteen years actually. Uh, Senator uh-huh. Dan Savino. Yeah, I helped in that campaign. Yeah, I did. You held a lot of high position job how does that feel for for you to to be part of all that you know you, you look at it as an opportunity to be an assistant to be to help people out and and to further you know that so you look at it so you know it's not for me it's not about me it's about making right. a difference it's about being there for helping out at whatever position the Hashem, i've been in positions where i was able to make a difference hopefully and, and help out the cloud help out individuals you know or by sherry used to always say a good Israel is about Klaiso and Rebbe Israel, which is important. You have to have Klai right. Israel. And also individuals come for help. Also, you have to help individuals. You know, So this is done an opportunity over the years to do a lot of that. And what did your kids growing up, what did the kids think of their father being so involved in all these high-ranking positions? Uh, yeah, it was, you know, it was part of being, it was, it was like, you know, it was... Part of being a, that's what we were. There was never like, oh, you know, never, you know, no, I never looked at always oh, high position. I, I didn't got my picture in the paper, but you know, otherwise, no, it was regular. Right. You know. Your kids didn't have like the fanfare, like, oh, this kid. No, you know, you know, you know, no, absolutely not. You know, so no, they, they, they didn't mm-hmm. you know, not really they were regular, regular like anybody else. The Bokashem, they're, they're all, you know, they're all married and and they're very proud of all. They're all doing very well. Doing well sure. Yeah. How is Zebi doing? So he's doing great. Yeah, he's great. He has, sure. he has a little baby. As you know, he's a, he has a little shmuel. He has here. Yeah, Zebi's doing fantastic. Amazing. Learning he learning guy. Zebi's but you know, he's uh, a few months ago I met a guy. He says, "Oh, my son's chavrusa. He's a great chavrusa." So yeah. <laughs> wow. He lives. He lives in Lakewood. I'm assuming. Lakewood. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Wow. Wow. That's it's pretty. It's pretty. Pretty amazing. And how's he feeling these days? Feeling good, Baruch Hashem. Baruch Hashem. Yeah. Baruch Hashem. That was, uh, you know, uh, yeah. Baruch went through it. He went through it. And, uh, and uh, you know, it was, that was in the same way. Baruch Hashem, he got through it. And, you know, he, he went there to Israel. He came back, went to Lake, got married. Uh, and, you uh, it was wonderful. Yeah. Did did Rabbi Silver have any shaykhs to Shlomo Zakan? Yes. I knew Shlomo Zakim when we were little kids. I knew Shlomo Zakim. As a member of Yeshiva Stim Parker, I remember Shlomo Zakim. Um, I can't say I was close to him over the years, but I, I, we knew each other. I, I knew he did 
unbelievably great things. Shlomo Zakan. Yes, I remember him as a you know, as little kids. And she was he was a couple of grades ahead of me. But yes, I remember Shlomo Zakan back then, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, I think you were the one that told my father on Rosh Hashanah that when he was nifter. I knew that, that Rosh Hashanah. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. The hospital sent us the same hospital, so you know. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. I know so you were you, very close. I know you were very close to him. Yeah, I know that. I remember that. Yeah, but he was a chesed machine. There really was, and he loved kids. He yeah. loved, I know he loved Kim Simchi. Loved all the kids over there. He loved everything about it. Right. He was a kid at heart, Shlom. That's what he was. He was still. Like, he was you know, always. He was, he was always a kid, a kid at heart. Yeah, yeah, he was yeah. always at a, a kid at heart. Yes, he was. And yeah. Except he was very bitzina. He he didn't. He did everything. Uh, without fancy. That's true. So, and by his wife's a big Sadekis also. His wife helps a lot, a lot of people. Yeah. yeah thank you you know his wife? Yes. Yes. She's helped a lot, a lot of people. Yeah, she's also an amazing woman. We spent Shabbos the other couple of years in Puerto Rico. I go every Oh, yeah? Year, I, every year I go down to, uh, usually November, there's a conference called Somos. It's a political conference. I go every year. Um, I'm, I'm going to list five or six years. And Shabbos, um, we stay at the Chabad Ovish. We and we stay in a hotel, but we all right. eat at the Chabad Ovish Shabbos. And it's Rabbi Zara, Rabbi Mendy Zarchi and his wife. And uh, Fegez Achman is very close to the Zarchis. She's very close to the Zarchis. So she's there a lot. So a couple of times we were there, and they have like 40, 50 people eat there at Shabbos in the Chabad house. So right. a couple of times we were together there over Shabbos in, in Puerto Rico. Do you ever go, you, you ever take uh, the rabbits in with you to like these places? Sometimes yeah, she comes yeah. to Puerto Rico because it's nice. It's a nice uh, right. version. Now, now it comes, she comes along, and she really enjoys the, that Shabbos by the, you know, what we are, we're all together. It's like sometimes forty or fifty people together, and, and right. Uh, that's right. And the Chabad is like a block away from everything is, so it's in the same areas, and it's all the same area. Right. All, all the conferences. Yeah, wow. so that one. I just wanted to say thank you for letting me interview you. Oh, of course, uh, it was it was a real pleasure. It was a pleasure for me to be here to join with you. And uh, you're doing a lot of work for the Kuala, and that's pretty. That's really, really amazing, especially for the Agudas, uh, the, gov- the government, all that stuff. It's, okay, it's by really- the way, I've got to tell you, I'm very inspired by your status stuff. I look at your status, and <laughs> it's very inspirational, the police about status. <laughs> uh, it's, oh, yeah. it's not my stuff. It's not my stuff. Okay, but, but you put it there, so I give you credit. Yeah. You're putting it out there on your status. So. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, thank you so much. Have a have a wonderful rest of your day, okay. and we'll we'll be in touch. Okay, thank you. You have just listened to the latest episode of the Unique Perspective Show, broadcasted live on Hako Radio, powered by the Munson Mavasser. The Unique Perspective Show is hosted by Yehuda Blonder, who can be contacted through Hako Radio by sending an email to info at hakoradio.com. This show and many others can be found in the Hako Radio Archive System on our website and mobile apps and can also be found on all major podcasting services.